Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. We are now up to episode eight of Recruiting Hell, and it's definitely time to bring in more resources for you, our listener. Now, today's episode is something I feel gets bandied about like crazy, but the actual meaning of the phrase self-care is, I think, either a misconception to many people or they have no idea of the concept to begin with. So we'll be diving into that topic here in just a moment with our guest. But for those of you who are just tuning in to Recruiting Hell for the first time, I feel it's important to outline the purpose of the show and why we call it Recruiting Hell. Recruiting Hell is a term that I use to describe the frustration of job hunting in the year 2020. If you head to any major job site or employer, there are endless opportunities, but it's gotten more and more difficult to land them for the average person. The whole goal of this show is to give you the tools to help you find a job that brings you fulfillment and worth. Now, not everyone defines their self-worth on their job, but in American culture, we place heavy value on being a contributing member of society. And not hating what you do every day to pay the bills is of huge benefit to anyone. The whole goal of this show is to help you navigate through recruiting hell by avoiding the scam jobs, the bad employers, the too much work for too little pay, and the mental stress of being jobless or in a position you absolutely loathe. We're here to help you keep your chin up after your 200th application with no response, your 50th rejection email this month, or a great opportunity just ghosting you. In a nutshell, this show is about helping people. And if I can help just one other person out there land a new position and get them out of recruiting hell, I'm going to call that a win. Now back to our topic at hand, self-care. Self-care is a concept that I see as a bit of a guardian angel when you're in recruiting hell. Now, I'm not going to beat you to death with the metaphors and the plot line of Dante's Inferno here, but having something to safeguard you against the fires of recruiting hell is just a plain good idea. And I think our guest today will definitely illuminate us further on how to do self-care right and how to make sure we stay happy and healthy on our journey through recruiting hell. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to invite Christine Berry, a licensed professional counselor, onto our show today. Christine, welcome to the show. It is fabulous to have you here, my friend. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I know you've done this uh, this before, so I'm really excited to see how this can uh, continue to move forward. So Christine, I know this past year, your background shifted a bit, and you tackle some really serious things in your profession, things that are just a little bit worse than job loss. Uh, but tell us a bit about your current professional background and then where you came from professionally, which made me think of why you should get a spot on this show and why we should talk to you. Yeah, so um, currently um, I am intake manager at Zachariah Sexual Abuse Center um, that is located in Illinois. We have two locations, one in uh, Skokie, which is outside of Chicago, and one in Gurnee. And what I basically do is I am a sexual abuse and sexual assault therapist or just like a trauma therapist. Okay. Um, and before that, when I lived in Wisconsin, I worked for the state of Wisconsin um, doing work for workforce development. And basically I was a vocational rehabilitation counselor. So that's, you know, it's a little bit of both, right? So I have the knowledge of the area that we're talking about today, but then I also have knowledge base from 
other things, including most specifically trauma. Right. And then you have this expertise in trauma. So when we're talking about job loss, is job loss a, a trauma? I think absolutely. Um, you know, when we look up definitions of trauma, everyone kind of has their own kind of idea of what that looks like, but really it's just an emotional response to a terrible event. And so I think a lot of your listeners can, can get some actual data from their own life about what a trauma might look like. It could be a car accident, natural disaster, um, you know, the sexual trauma stuff that I work with. Um, and after those things happen, there's a lot of emotion there. It doesn't always come immediately, sure. right? You know, um, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, do this thing, or I'm gonna do that thing, and I'm kind of not gonna think about it all that much, but you know, the emotions are there. So um, absolutely, it's definitely a trauma. Interesting. Well, and I, my next question was gonna be like, why is it a trauma? But, you know, you, you gave me some statistics here, and you mentioned that in their lifetime, 70% of the population is exposed to some sort of, of trauma. Can, can you expand on that a little bit to, to give yeah. people some, some uh, scope? Yeah. So, you know, in the, um, in the work that I do, um, I have a couple of areas that I'm really interested in, one of which is like the military. So I like to use that as kind of a, um, a way to understand the 70%. So mm -hmm. everyone who goes overseas, they don't all come back with PTSD, right? Right, right. And so um, you can be exposed to a trauma. That doesn't necessarily mean that you get PTSD, right? Okay. But you're exposed to it. So same thing with people with car accidents, natural disasters, right? You're exposed to it. You may not have all of the like symptoms of PTSD, but you have that exposure to things that are, that leave an impression on you somehow. That emotional response is still there. I see. Okay. So it's, it's not that you're necessarily, I am I, hesitant to use, to use the word crippled, by it because that that has you know something of a connotation to it, but but you it, it leaves a mark on you regardless of whether that's a debilitating mark or something that your psyche absorbs. Correct? Right. Absolutely. So you know that's why I, I I make it very specific when I say you know it's an emotional response. That's what the trauma is, and then when you get into you know diagnosing and all that other stuff, that's that's when it's debilitating. Like you're saying, yeah, that's when it actually really gets to that place where you can't handle it on your own. Got it. Okay. So that, that gives us sort of some background on, on what trauma is and maybe why, and definitely I would think why job loss is, is a trauma. I know that, that when I've been either, either left jobs or, or been thrown out of jobs in one case <laughs> that I've, uh, it's been really emotionally impactful. So uh, that's good to hear. Now we we said at the beginning, this episode is all about self-care for the job seeker. So I wanted to ask you, because of your, your background and your, your professional expertise, what is self-care? And is it just, is it deeper than just kind of that, that treat yourself attitude of people that some people seem to have about it? Yeah. It's so trendy now, right? Like, right. Treat yourself. Uh, people say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like the memes, you know, the memes are endless. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I, on the one hand, I love that because that makes it like socially acceptable to talk about. Right. Great. Love that. Um, but yeah, then it kind of gets, it's like the game of telephone, right? Where it starts off being one thing. And then by the time everyone's done talking about it, it's a totally different thing. Um, sure. Sure. And so 
for me, one thing that really stood out when we, when we were kind of talking about this topic and what are we going to do with this is there's a book that I got when I became a trauma therapist and it's called trauma stewardship mm-hmm. and it's all about self-care as a therapist. And so, oh. for, yeah, for a long time, I, you know, I was kind of in the like, oh yeah, okay, self-care, whatever, right? Um, until I read this, this intro that they have, and it's very, very brief, but it says that the, the author went on this vacation, basically, and she was in the Caribbean with her relatives. Everything was wonderful. She's a social worker, sure. and she was like marveling at this beautiful view on this cliff, and it was all so wonderful, and, and in her daily life, she was a, a trauma therapist, and when she's looking out at these beautiful views, she's with her family or friends, she's, she's um, really enjoying this vacation. The first thought that she had was, this is so beautiful. But the second thought she had was, I wonder how many people have jumped off this cliff. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yikes. You know? And so, and the thing is, is that that really resonated with me as one trauma therapist, but two, like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think based on our society and and what you were kind of talking about in the intro about having to have this productivity equaling your level of success. Right. Yes. That you don't see how things impact you until you're like, whoa, that's a really weird thought that I just had there. Or that's a really weird feeling that I just had there. And then you're like, well, well, then what do I do with that? Right. And people, you know, therapists have it, but we have these, this understanding of stuff that other people don't have. And so we know what to do with that, but people who are in any kind of traumatic experience or, you know, in this case, job loss, right. Especially Mm -hmm. when there's a loss of purpose around that, or um, they took a lot of pride in being their like provider for their family. And that is gone now. And I don't know what to do with that. And I don't know how to take care of myself while also trying to keep up with things. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. Cause I, I know that I've even felt that myself, you know, is, is there have been times in my life where I've not been gainfully employed and things like that. And it's, it, it really, you know, we have the, the norm in society of, you know, you're the guy you provide for your family and, you know, you're, you're the family man things like that. And I think getting, that attitude somewhat out of your head is really a, a benefit of benefit for a lot of people, whether they're male or female to say that, you know what, this is, this is a time where you are in, you're in trouble a little bit of, we need to get you back and in, in, into the action. And so I, th- I think that that's, that's a very big set of statements that, you know, you, you said that trauma folks know how to, how to take care of themselves, but, but we don't. And I, I guess I'm kind of going a little bit off of our, uh, off of the, track that we, we wanted to hear, but I, I warned you about this, <laughs> but yeah, uh, what what is like a, a technique that somebody who is really just feeling not like themselves anymore that they can use to kind of, to self care. And again, obviously we, we would both probably agree that uh, seeking professional help is, is, is a really good thing, but, but in this case, you know, sometimes self care too, you know, go ahead. Well, I mean, we can't, I'm not going to, pretend like you know obviously I'm biased I think that therapy is great we should all go but yes oh completely (laughs) I'm not gonna pretend right that 
I don't understand the realities of what that looks like. That may be, you know, um, just because you don't have a, like a job to go to specifically, that doesn't mean that you have the time for it. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have the financial resources for it. Right. Especially if we're talking about like, if you have a job that provides insurance, right. And then you lose mm-hmm. that can't just show up and I mean there's a lot of you know there's barriers there right so yeah having things that you can do um are really beneficial I think for me there's one technique that um that actually my um one of my supervisors like uh like a clinical supervisor told me about and it you know it's a technique that we use in therapy but it's called tending to the immediacy and really what that means is identify your thoughts, right? Where are you right now? What, what do you, what do you need in the moment? And, and I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that that's the same thing as mindfulness because it's not. Um, but it's like in this very moment, what do I need to feel okay? Okay. So it's, it's very much like a, like a prioritization almost of what, what your needs are for this, for this very moment to make you mentally all right and, and kind of be able to, con- to continue on to address the bigger problems. Right. Because you can't go, you know, you can't go and ask somebody for something if you don't know what you're asking for. And so like, if you need support from someone, you can't um, just go and say, Oh, um, I need X, Y, and Z. If you have never identified what X, Y, and Z are. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, how can yeah. you order it if you? How can you order something if you don't know what you're ordering? Basically, right? Right, right, right. Okay. So that yeah. So it, you know, sometimes it's all about, and I think that's the hardest part when we talk about. Um, like, I talk a lot about feelings, and I'm, I'm very like big on like I think one of the phrases I use the most often, especially more recently, is um like feel your feelings, right? And it sounds so simple, or like just something that. Um, like, well, I do that, you know, I feel my feelings. I know what I'm feeling, but right. it sounds but, obvious almost right, but, to the but average person, know? I would think, you know, like, but do you? And so the reason I say that is because what we know is that there are like primary and secondary emotions, right? So there's the, the actual underlying emotion. And then there are the things that kind of mask them. And my most useful example would be like anger, right? Anger is an outward expression but that's not actually what you're feeling most of the time, right? Usually there's a, an event or a, something that takes place ahead of time that makes you angry, right? Right, and there's so, some stimulus to, to get that going. Right, right. So like if someone cuts you off, right, in like when you're driving in traffic and you get mad, that's, that's fine that you're mad, right? You have every right to feel your feelings. But at the same time, there's probably the moment where you're not sure if you're safe or if you were, you know, in danger in that moment. And so that's fear, right? And so fear is a primary emotion, but it comes out as anger. Like, oh, how, how dare they cut me off? And, you know, and it's very, it's the anger that, that lingers, but really it's fear. Okay. So bending that back to kind of the, the job area in, you said it's primary emotion. And I think for, employment loss, perhaps fear is the primary driver for, for a lot of that. Is that, is that maybe a, a wise statement or is there something else you could, you could add on that? I mean, I would say so. Um, 
it's all about where the person is coming from. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have any other support, um, then yeah, I think fear is a huge motivator. Um, I think, especially in the times kind of that we're in right now, um, there are so many things going on around us that we don't have control over that it's hard to kind of focus on what you need to focus on when there's so much other stuff going on around you. Gotcha. Um, So it seems like the world's on fire sometimes all the time in every place. Yeah. Got it. So, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the, the treat yourself attitude. So can you break down self care for us and, and, maybe take it away from the, yes, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and, and, and eat that tub of ice cream or whatever, you know, not that, you know, (laughs) better self-care if you will. Yeah. So, um, so it's going back to like the, the identifying of feelings, right. Mm -hmm. Self-care breakdown is really self-care is, is being mindful, understanding, identifying, owning what you need. And that's why I said that technique is so important because you need to be able to identify exactly what it is that you need so that you can figure out then what self-care avenue to take, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so there are four types that I want to talk about. Um, emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual. And I'll break those down even further for you. So sure. Um, emotional is your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others. So we are inherently um, beings that need others, right? Like we are social beings. Right. We've developed that way over thousands upon thousands of years, tribes and everything, right? Right. Exactly. So we need connection. Um, However, sometimes that need for connection can then put us into a place of, um, I don't know, being around toxic people, right. Or, um, letting people overstep our boundaries or something like that. And so this, the relationships with, with self and others, if you are having these toxic people or these boundary issues coming up for you, right? Then maybe that's the kind of self-care that you might need. You might need to set boundaries or um, reestablish boundaries that people may have originally like understood, but then they Mm -hmm. kind of started stepping over those a little bit or, um, or removing those toxic people from your life or uh, keeping them in, you know, arm's length, because sometimes that's draining you too, right? So you have all these other like main concerns and we'll talk about those a little later, but the main concerns, like the job loss, like how can you get to that if you're having people who are are taking from you emotionally, right? How are you going to be in that place? So so that's emotional. Then there's physical and that's your health and well-being. Um, when I first started my doctoral program, the first bit of advice that I got, I was at a conference or something. And the first bit of advice that I'd gotten from this person who had completed their doctorate, uh, said, eat well and get enough sleep because you, you need to charge your brain because your brain is going to be doing the work. Right. And that was 
really paramount to me because I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, I got to stay up and I got to do this and I got to do that. And in the context of like job loss or, or jobs in general, how are you going to be prepared for that interview? How are you going to be um, on your best game if you don't get enough sleep the night before the interview or if you don't, um, you know, eat well so that you're feeling comfortable in your own skin because interviews are already inherently like, you know, stressful and then you don't feel great on top of it. That's just going to make it that much harder for you. Right. And that, that harkens back to something that we've said in past episodes that you, you almost have to engage in a job hunt in the same way that you engage in like salesmanship and things like that. And from, from my experience, you have to be in at least reasonable shape or hopefully in really good shape to be in sales because not only is it a lot of work, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of travel. Sometimes it also helps to be a really attractive person in front of the person you're selling to. So, but, but having, being able to keep up with this sales style lifestyle, I think is very important. And I think it ties right into the physical health and well-being. And I know that I've started a a exercise regimen myself as you know, we're kind of doing this whole, uh, relaunch and, and, you know, this podcast is part of it and things like that. But I, I think physical health is, is something that's maybe very overlooked because people just say, eh, yeah, I can have that pizza. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're, you know, when you're already kind of uh, in this state of affairs that we're in right now, and there's a lot of uncertainty and kind of just negativity generally. Right. Um, and so when you're in that, it's, it's a lot easier to jump on the bandwagon. Right. And so um, avoiding that would be great. Um, So, yeah, we got emotional, we got physical. Uh, The third one is psychological. And really, that's more about your personal and professional development. Right. And so, like, I kind of make the jokes that that like CEUs aren't just mandatory. They can be fun. Um, And considering education units. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I'm actually in the middle of one for a, a license that I have. Uh, for insurance and it's just a pain in the backside but I know you know what I'm having a decent time doing it because it's a I can do other things while I listen to it so no that's that's funny that you mentioned that yeah and you know and, and I understand that they they can definitely be a drain right but at the same time when we're talking job skills there's there's things that are out there that don't have to be boring right that that you can that's why you know, and I can't, um, talk too much about this, but the, that's why like math, things like masterclass and, um, and other items are coming up as something that's trending because people want to learn more. They want to know more. And so I encourage all the listeners to, as part of like a psychological, um, self-care moment is like, figure out something that is interesting to you and spend time doing that thing, right? Just learning about it. Even if you can't, or don't have the time, money, resource, whatever to, to really enmesh in it, just the look into it, right? Spend a, an hour or two going down a, a Google wormhole and just kind of figure out like, wow, is that as exciting as I thought it was going to be? Maybe you'll start to pick up ideas for, wow, that's something that I want to maybe engage in in my professional life. Maybe that's something that I think I'm really engaged in and want to look more into. Um, that's how, I mean, I originally started off wanting to be a lawyer, right? And it took, mm-hmm. it took me going and having an, a random general ed class I had to take 
to figure out that I wanted to be in psychology, but it, it had to engage me. And so having some sort of psychological engagement is critical. I okay, think. And that is something I didn't even think about, you know, advancing your skills. And, and yes, you know, a lot of people have been saying on social media, well, you needed to pick up new skills for the new job market and things like that. Yes. Yes. But having it be a, like an actual internal driver that didn't occur to me at all. Yeah. And That's really our, strange. Our brains are, so fascinating and it, you never really know what you're gonna enjoy until you're in it you know I mean just because you were in this one area like especially with like when I was in vocational rehabilitation a lot of the clients that I would work with had like a um, a physical injury that left them not able to perform their job anymore or something else something similar like that where they had to actually completely transition from one job area that they knew a lot about to something else. And they were like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so that's why I always suggested like, just kind of look around, see what you are interested in because you never really know until you do, or you better understand so that you can dive into something and you never know where it's going to take you. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I can see that being very, very challenging for somebody who was a client of yours at some point in time, you know, I've been a welder for 30 years. Well, I lost my hand in a welding accident and now right. I can't be a welder anymore. So absolutely interesting. Yeah. All right. Fourth one. What is it? Spiritual. So, hmm. um, I'm not saying all of a sudden find your version of a hair power. And run <laughs> I found I whoever, right? Yeah. Um, whoever, whatever your spiritual path is, and that could be, you know, God, or that could be no God or whatever, whatever's in between that. Um, it's not about religion or, or believing in a higher being. I mean, it can, if that's what's important to you, but it's the act of getting in touch with your soul, right? So if you don't have like a, um, like a faith community, or if you don't have something like that, it could be, donating money if you have it. It could be volunteering your time if you have it. Spending time in nature, right? I mean, how many people, especially with the the pandemic going on right now, who are baking banana bread for whatever reason, that became the most popular thing to learn how to bake, right? Or right. bun riding, right? Or, um, I mean, my husband and I just got new bikes and um, it was so interesting because the the shop owner said that they cannot keep spikes on the shelves. And I think that that's, that's what self-care really means in the spiritual sense is that like, I'm going to go and like be with myself. And that means running in grass barefoot or baking bread or riding a bike or, you know, taking pictures of nature, whatever it looks like for you, but just communing with yourself. And that's what I mean by spiritual. Got it. So it doesn't, you don't have to pray into anything or anything like that. Nope. It's all about, I guess, finding your center, if you, if you will, almost. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that's, that's, that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next question, I want to move, move kind of forward here a little bit, because you, yeah. you, you just outlined some really great, like, techniques within that, that segment there about, you yeah. know, where, where to, where to take yourself when it comes to, you know, professional development and personal development. Is there a tipping point for someone who is in in a situation where they're they're doing things like that 
where they might be finding their center in nature. They might be riding their bike or, or, you know, engaging in, in nature walks or, or doing all these continuing education courses for their, their uh, past job. Is there a point when this kind of like self-care and self-medication like stops or you need to kind of like upgrade? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where, where is that? And, and, and how does that happen? So I always like to ask the question, um, what's the difference? So there's, there's a part of you that needs to do one of the, the four different types of self-care, right? You're identifying, so you identify your feelings, right? And then you figure out what you need. You pick one of those, right? Or kind of figure out whatever's going to work for you. Great. However, the difference is, are you doing that to better yourself or are you doing that to avoid the situation at hand? So there's a line there, right? I see. And it may be different for different people, but the reality is that it's one thing to go out and let's talk about in the context of jobs. Um, hey, I think it would be really beneficial to me to go to a store and pick out a really great interview outfit. That sounds like a great idea, right? And I think that it is because that might be your version of the spiritual section, right? Where you're, sure. you're, you're going to say like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to try to find an outfit that really presents myself in the best light that I feel great in that, um, that makes me feel confident and successful and all the things that you want to feel when you go into an interview. However, if you are going and doing that every day, how much of it is really about you trying to, um, look your best for that? Or are you trying to make yourself feel better? So you don't think about things that don't make you feel better. So in, in that, in that case, it could almost be the constructive, as you mentioned, saying, I got to find this interview outfit, or it could be the destructive on the same plane as, as crawling into a bottle. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Interesting. And you know, I have this great, um, this great quote that I, that I use, but um, to kind of talk about the, about what self-medicating kind of looks like. And it's, and it kind of says when we compulsively use like a substance, right. That's technically what we usually think of or sure. a behavior to manage and control our mood and our mental state that we cannot cope with on our own. And that's, I think where that line is that I was talking about. And, and it, we have a desire to feel better. Yes, absolutely. And we discover that a certain action leads to the satisfaction of that. And so then that's kind of how you get into that cycle of, okay, now I'm going to do this all the time because now I'm feeling better and that's what I need to make me feel better. But we're also at the same time ignoring the original thing that we talked about, which is identifying the feeling in and of itself. Okay. And then that's, because it feels good, we probably continue and form a habit around it, things like that. Just like if you were to descend into alcoholism or, or, or you know, find some, you know, uppers that, that keep you rolling, you you would continue to do that because it feels good, right? And it, it kind of washes away that that bad feeling that you have because you're out of work and you don't feel like you have a purpose. Right. And another important thing that I think a lot of people don't think about when it comes to, like, self-medicating or, or that cycle is that it's consistent, right? And when you just have, when you've just lost your job, you want something that's stable because you don't feel very stable. 
All right, my mind's just blown there. Holy cow, that's actually really that's a really good statement. Yeah. Wow. That you're seeking that stability. Interesting. Because you know that that the the shopping mall isn't going to judge you, right? It's not going to make you feel like a lesser person. The bottle's not going to make you feel like a lesser person. Um, and so you're looking to try to figure that out. And like you said, it can be very constructive when done in a certain way. But then it also, if, if you don't keep checking in with yourself and figuring out what you're needing and identifying those feelings about all the stuff that's going on, it might get lost. Got it. Okay, man, this is, this is getting way deeper than I thought it was. <laughs> I know, I know. It's Who great. Knew, right? No, it, that's 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 what makes for for compelling episodes. So I'm again, I'm so glad you're here, and we're glad we're talking about this. Yeah. So, uh, moving forward on this, you know, we talked about where is that mark for, you know, people in and is is that unique to every person and. And then what are some of the signs that you're kind of getting close to maybe needing to turn over the keys to the, the driving of your life to somebody who really knows how to help? Yeah. So I do think it's unique to everyone. I, um, I mean, there's, there's going to be different things. Uh, what's the phrase that people use? Different strokes for different folks, right? right sure. And so like whatever, you know, whatever um, is going to help you is, is, is great. Um, I think when you want to reevaluate if it's still great after X number of days, weeks, whatever, um, is, are you feeling out of control? Like you don't necessarily have control over the situation anymore. It has control over you. Um, that's point number one. And point number two is, are you living your authenticity, like your authentic life? Right. Which really means, is the way that you are like dealing with the stress and the emotions around the job loss and all this other stuff that's going on in the world. Does that lifestyle that you're living right now meet the same values and beliefs and all that stuff that you had before any of that? Right. So is it congruent? And I think. Are you still the same person basically? Right. Right. Exactly. Oh, there's, there's, there's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, you have to be an authentic, like authentic to yourself. Right. So, um, yeah, don't lie to yourself. Right. I mean, that's basically what it is. And if, and if you have kind of done that check-in and you're like, this is not what I had anticipated, or this is not what I thought this was going to look like, then I think that's the kind of evaluation point to see like, all right, I need some support. And and what is that going to look like? Because it's going to look different for everyone too. Sure. Okay. So we've talked about a lot of the, the aspects here of kind of the self-care, some techniques sprinkled in there. You know, and I, I'm assuming I should not just go buy things and be happy. We, we've just talked about that too, that, you know, you have to remain authentic to yourself. I guess how did the question, the question I have for you then, Christina, is, is how does one make an actual serious run at being good at self-care without kind of falling off the wagon, if you will, and spiraling downwards when it comes to where they're going uh, with their life and maybe not being authentic to themselves. How, how do you make, how do you make that, that real, real run at this uh, successfully? I think 
having support is really important to that. Um, because sometimes, you know, as much as I like to say, right, feel your feelings, do check-ins with yourself. I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who are like eye rolling, but the reality of the story is that sometimes you need somebody to be that person for you. Right. And so maybe somebody else can be that sounding board. If you have that person in your life, friend, coworker, like previous coworker, uh, family member, whoever it might look like that can give you that like objective insight that you might need. Right. And so if you try to do the feeling, your feelings, and it's like, this is not working, right. I can't figure out what I want to do. Ask somebody else, ask somebody close to you. They might know, um, you know, and just kind of be open and honest with like, Hey, I'm kind of feeling this way. You know, people who know us best, they know what's going on. Right. Sure, they read you, right? Right. You know, and so I think just having the ability to have a support system that can look like one person, that can look like multiple people, whatever it might be for that person, and having accountability, right? So that that also keeps you on the right side of that dividing line, but also having other people give you insight because other people see us in different ways. And so having that feedback is great. Got it. Now, we are like 35 minutes into this already, if I'm not mistaken. So I think we're going to stop here for right now with this episode, Christine. And I just, I want to thank you so much again. And I want, definitely want to do a part two of this because there's, there is so much more (laughs) that is just in this, this area. And, and you've, you've done such a great job of not, not only giving me, you know, I I didn't come here for a therapist session or anything like that, (laughs) but it's, I think that you have projected so much wonderful stuff to the people who, who come here to, to find some of that steadiness uh, that they're probably seeking with their, jo- with their job search. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. And I'd, I'd love to do a part two on this uh, with you in the very near future. Uh, so we'll, we'll connect on that before I wrap this episode. Do you want to give any plugs or shout outs while we're, while we uh, have the, the mic in front of you here? Honestly, um, if you have a therapist, go talk to them, right? Um, I mean, that's coming from a millennial, so like take it for what it's worth. Um, But I think reaching out to anybody is important. So even if you can't do anything else, reach out, right? And I think that's really important. And obviously, you know, I work for um, Zachariah Sexual Abuse Center in Illinois, Um, and they are wonderful with trauma. And if you want to know more about trauma, email me. Um, I'm totally open to that. Uh, I'll give my email, which is cberry, B-E-R-R-Y. So C-B-E-R-R-Y at zcenter.org. Um, and absolutely reach out because trauma is, is something that I love. And it spans pretty much everybody's experience like we talked about. So. Well, that's, that is incredible, my friend. Uh, anything, now I'm going to rattle off my social media stuff here. Is there anything we should follow follow you on, uh, whether it's the, the Instagram or anything along those lines? Um, Actually, I only have like a personal one, but... Um, uh, that's all right. <laughs> you don't have yeah, to throw that out there to the world. Like, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, any any social media that you can, that's the beauty of social media is that you can make it what you want it to look like. And so if you are on Instagram, if you're on Facebook, if you're on LinkedIn, whatever you're on, right, Twitter, look up the things that are interesting to you. We talked about that. 
the psychological impacts of that, find things on your feed that you want to actually be a part of and look those up. So if it's trauma, if it's job loss, if it's recruitment, right? Look those things up, follow them. That's important. Gotcha. And that's, that's a great piece of advice. And now thank you for making me feel like an absolute shill for my program. here. <laughs> but you know, that, that is very true. We are blessed with, you know, things like called smartphones. They contain the sum and total of human knowledge in our pockets. You can find anything you want. So mm-hmm. on my end of things here for recruiting hell, as always uh, listeners, if you do have questions, comments, feedback here with us at recruiting hell, uh, you can always drop us a line at the recruiting hell podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at uh, recruiting underscore hell on our Facebook fan page. We now have an Instagram recruiting underscore uh, hell underscore podcast uh, on Instagram. And of course, if you haven't subscribed, followed or shared the show, I would greatly appreciate it. And there are millions of people out there in America that could definitely benefit from learning more about how to power up their job hunt. And in this case, like with this episode, take care of themselves as well. They're likely your friends and neighbors. Let's get them helped out. Finally, as always, a big thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song. And of course, you, the listener, for tuning in. Again, I'm Rob Conlon. And until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace.